racers, we all have doubts. You know, we always second guess our ability because, and times are tough, man. I mean, when you, one bad weekend, it's like you start blaming yourself. I think the biggest fear for racers, forgetting what you did yesterday. Episode 22, Tank Slapping Podcast. As always, C-Tex co-hosting alongside Sneaky Sam, Sammy Sabedra. How you doing, dude? Doing good, doing good. Another week, bro, another podcast. You uh, amped up or what? Yeah, I'm always amped to do this. Uh, and, and, you know, I think we have a lot of stuff to talk about. Moto America this weekend. We got some a couple of uh, exciting announcements uh, with some races to talk about. Uh, I know there's a lot of other things that you're going to throw in there. So, yeah, I'm amped. We got a lot of shit to talk about tonight and some short time to do it because you're headed out tonight. You're headed out to Indiana doing the All-Star Series with the Reverend Kevin Varnes. So keep this kind of try and keep it somewhat shorter. But we got a really good guest for tonight. I'm, I'm pumped on. It's actually a good buddy of mine. He won his first Moto America Superbike race over the weekend. And he's a longtime flat track racer. One of them Lodi boys. We're going to talk about the Lodi stuff some more, but it's Bobby Fong. Yeah, man. Another uh, Lodi Cycle Bowl guy. I don't know what's going on with uh, the show, Corey, if you're getting a special paycheck on the side from Lodi, but it seems like all our past guests have uh, come from the Lodi Cycle Bowl. That place is full of full of racers. <laughs> Dude, uh, yeah, it's unintentional, honestly. <laughs> It's just so many fast guys have raced from, have competed at Lodi. So, yeah, I, you know, it's it's going to be cool to talk to Bobby, talk flat track a little bit, talk about his Superbike win. He won the Super Sport Championship last year. So, yeah, we'll, we'll shoot some shit and talk with Bobby. A lot of stuff to talk about. You know, the, the biggest thing I guess we can bring up, well, first and foremost, as always, let's talk about our sponsors. And the, our title sponsor, Bell Power Sports. All three champions from the last season, the American Flat Track Series, wore the Bell Race Star Flex. Check out bellhelmets.com to view their full line of products. Tell them Tank Slapping Podcast sent you. If you're going to start tank slapping, you want to be protected by Bell. Another shout-out, Jerry Stinchfield from Roof Systems of Dallas, Texas, commercial and industrial roofing company with nearly 40 years of experience. Check their website out, commercialroofsystems.net. Jerry does a lot of good for the sport, sponsors a lot of riders. If it wasn't for Jerry and uh, Roof Systems, I don't think we'd have half the teams out there right now. And uh, also, again, a a shout-out to the Moto America Series. They competed this past weekend at Road America. They are the official AMA road racing series in the USA, led by 190-mile-an-hour superbikes. They have 10 race weekends at top tracks all across the country, including Road America, Laguna Seca, Indianapolis, and Road Atlanta, which is next on the schedule. Make sure you check out MotoAmerica.com. Buy the Moto America Live Plus package for all-day live streaming on their events. Really good coverage, and we really appreciate their support and happy to have one of their current riders on the show tonight. Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited to talk to Bobby. Like I said, he's a you know, a Lodi guy, but before we get into it, I know there's a lot of hot topics. Uh, you know, there's, uh, every, everybody got, a an email today about Lima, uh, the national at Lima possibly being on the fence, um, could mention that, um, you know, people are worried about the spike in the, the COVID deal down in, uh, Florida right now, maybe possibly affecting, Barberville, but that's all speculation. But the one thing that I kind of wanted to talk about real quick, just through the shit pot, uh, that's not speculation is this, uh, AFT cutting the purse by 25%, which, uh, I, I don't think that's too cool. No matter what. I mean, I just don't think that's a cool guy move at all. Any thoughts, Corey? Yeah, I understand it. I mean, being a racer, obviously, obviously I want to make more money. <laughs> um, it's never a bad thing to have more have more in my bank account after a race weekend. But for some of these promoters, and I understand AFT promotes a lot of their own events, like, for instance, Lima, which was canceled, or I'm sorry, it was postponed. So they're not having the doubleheader when we initially were going to have it. So it's postponed. But somebody like Jared Meese, it wouldn't even be possible for him to make any money if he's limited to spectators paying the full purse to what it is. So I understand that. I don't think 25% is, is unreasonable with everything going on. Um, you know, 
riders right now they can be creative find other ways to try and make money and and yeah it's, it's just tough times right now so I, I understand it i i'm not you know stoked on it but if that's what it takes to go racing i'd rather make 75 percent you know rather than zero percent so yeah it's, it's one of them bad deals and that and then lima getting postponed and it's just uh you know i thought things were moving forward and you know headed in the right direction now we're kind of teetering a little bit it's like yeah and you mentioned the Barberville Barberville deal, and from what I understand, those races are good to go. And we sent in our team rosters today. I'm pre-entered. You know, we got our Airbnb figured out. So I think that that event is all systems go as of right now. But man, you just never know with what's going on right now. Yeah, you never know. I hope Barberville's on. Uh, you know, I understand the unfortunate circumstance that Jared or Lima that event might be dealing with but uh i still got to throw my thumbs down on the cut in the purse by 25 percent. i won't go into it too deep on my personal feelings but i got a box of tissues over here to handle that <laughs> nah dude i get it I, yeah i understand and there's yeah there's, it's it's debatable for sure and I, yeah i'm bummed you know lima i got second there last year i was really close to winning it. it's one of my favorite tracks and i love cushion so I'm definitely bummed, but I understand the, the decision from a business standpoint, like, you know, that the promoters can't afford to possibly lose that much money. They, it would just take forever to dig themselves out of that hole. So you got to look at it from a, a business standpoint. You know, Jared, Jared's not making the rules or, you know, the government rules or anything like that. You know, he's just trying to trying to play it smart. And, you know, it's I, I understand it for sure. I'm bummed, but it's uh, it's just one of them deals right now. But, yeah, we Talked about that a little bit. We had Flat Track Jeopardy last night. It was me, Scotty Dubler, and Jake Johnson made a special appearance. I guess what? he made a. I guess he made an appearance. He didn't get many questions right, but he was there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I feel bad, man. I missed that. Um, I I didn't get to to listen to it, but you know, we're as you mentioned earlier. I'm going to the All Star Race and. I'm uh, I'm going to be doing the all-nighter tonight behind the wheel, uh, so I will definitely have time to, to you know, plug in my earbuds and, and listen to that, and I'll definitely be doing that somewhere down the turnpike. Yeah, shout-out to Bert Sumner and Greg Pearson and, and the, the whole crew of guys that put those questions together. It, they were really hard questions. It was more... I think 1970s, 1980s, a lot of the questions were based from those two decades and a little bit of the 60s. And it was tough for me. I'm more of a 90s, 2000s kind of guy. <laughs> so I did a little bit of studying and I was able to get, I think I got as many questions right as Scotty did, but he played a way better game than me. You know, the questions he didn't know, he just didn't answer. And I was just, I was playing Jeopardy like Rusty Rogers races a motorcycle, just sending it. And I got a lot of questions <laughs> wrong and yeah, the whole jeopardy thing. I, I just, I kept forgetting when you get a question wrong, you freaking lose money. So I was, <laughs> I was a negative for a lot of the game and, but it was a lot of fun. Dubes is really smart with his knowledge of flat track history. And I want to rematch, you know, I we'll have to get another board going. I, I definitely want another stab at it. Maybe not as many drinks in. I had a few beers last night. I don't know, like make excuses, but <laughs> so we'll we'll have to play it again. I, I definitely want to try again. It was a lot of fun. I learned a lot, so it was cool. That sounds like a good time, man. Uh, you know, I guess Scotty uh, watching all those or not watching, announcing all those Springfield miles pulled a Springfield move and used strategy on you, and uh, you were full on Rusty Rogers throwing <laughs> uh, throwing haymakers. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. You know. Dubes was uh he was shocked at how fast I was pressing the buzzer. He thought something was rigged on the buzzer, and I I just I was hitting the buzzer before he was asked, done answering the asking the question. I just was pressing the buzzer as soon as it turned red, and I was hoping he'd get the question off before I had to answer it. So uh, no, it was a good time. It's on the Corey Texter Racing Facebook page, and if you get time to to listen to it, the the visual the um, video didn't work, so we did it all audio, and you can watch the board and and play along and see how many questions you guys get right, but. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, you know, Supercross wrapped up. There was a protest just recently on the – I saw the Yamaha team. They protested uh, Chase Sexton for illegal fuel. And I was just kind of, like, curious. Like, how much can a illegal fuel really help you in Supercross? Like, that kind of blew my mind that some people would even consider possibly doing it. But he uh, he didn't get disqualified. It was, it was legal. But it was just kind of a, a crummy way to end a championship, just a protest to possibly – get somebody on illegal fuel i was just kind of eh. and i think they're they don't have a fuel 
I don't think they have a fuel. Like it's not as strict as ours. Like they can run a, a variety of different fuels. So I, I don't know what they can't use, but yeah, maybe it was just kind of weird. It was, of, it was maybe weird different types of fuels, you know, like, uh, I don't know. I, I'm obviously not that involved with supercross, but maybe it was like, you know, methanol or something like that. That wasn't an actual fuel, like a race gas. It was a fuel. Yeah. Well, Bobby Fong just tried to call me. So, uh, we'll give him, uh, we'll give him a call here in one minute. I just really quick wanted to talk about my CTR amateur team. I just wanted to thank everybody for doing the online on my Facebook page, trying to raise money once again, to send uh, some riders and their families to the amateur nationals through online auctions and things like that. You can find information on my Facebook page. If you're interested in donating, hit me up, send me a message, try and work something out where, you know, we can um, make something happen and make it worth your time. But all every penny raised goes to the riders and their families. You know, try and try and just make the amateur nationals great again. Last year, you know, it was it was really good. There was a lot of riders there, and just keep that going. This year, with everything going on, it's even harder for families who haven't been working or were laid off or unemployed to raise money. And we're doing the best we can. It was a last minute deal on my part because I didn't know they were going to happen. So we have a, a couple weeks now to get it done. But yeah, and then some of the riders, you know, reaching out, asking me how to be on it, you know, to, I, it's kind of the X factor this year, you know, introduce yourself, you know, don't just hit me up the week before you, you see something or, you know, the week before the nationals to introduce yourself. If you know somebody is, is doing a program like we're doing, you know, introduce yourself to them, like make it, make it your job to say, Hey, you know, I know, I know CTR is, they, they have an amateur national team. They send riders to the nationals riders and the parents, man, like, make yourself known to me. Like I, you know, I don't, I, I try and learn and follow the amateur side of as much as I can. But if I knew there was money on the table for what I'm doing, I, I'd reach out and, and just, uh, yeah, knowledge to me, like what you're doing, who you are and, and things like that. So, um, more information on that in the future. A hello and a handshake goes a long way with that, Corey. But, uh, Hey, real quick, plug your ears, Corey, cause I don't want you to get too big of a head here, but I just think that uh, what you're doing for the kids is uh, really, really cool. It's a struggle for a lot of parents, working families to get to get kids to the races in the middle of the country, especially for those coming from far away. So what you do for the kids, and I mean, that's the future of the sport. I think it's really cool, and uh, I'm done blowing you up so you can unplug your ears, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I, I love it, dude. I, I was I was one of them kids, so I, I know I know how it is and and the struggle it takes. And I actually have a couple cool things planned for this team. You know, I I picked the riders, but I'm gonna throw in an X factor for a few of the kids we're picking this year that I think everybody will will like. And yeah, so I'll announce that here in the future. I know that nationals are coming soon, so we'll we'll get that going soon. But yeah, if you want to donate, you're interested in the program, please hit me up. I'm pretty easy to find social media, all that stuff. But, yeah, we got Bobby Fong waiting. He just got done riding at the motocross track. Let's give him a call, Chris Carter, and see what he's got to say. Yo. Bobby Fong, C-Tex here, Sammy Sabedra, Tank Slapping Podcast. What's up, dude? What's going on, buddy? Thanks for having me. Yeah, dude, thanks for coming on. I, uh... Excited to talk to you. First off, congrats on your first superbike win. Pretty badass, man. Talk about that a little bit. Man, are we are we rolling right now? We good? <laughs> yeah, right? hell yeah, we're on, baby. <laughs> you guys don't you guys don't mess around over there, dude. Um, nah, no joke. No, no, no. We don't sleep no. off the starting line. You know, it, it's hammered down. Okay, you guys call me. I'm like, I thought we were just gonna prep prime a little bit and then we go into it you guys are just balls deep right off the bat i like it um, <laughs> no it's good man it was uh first super bike win it's man it's i really can't enjoy, i don't know i just can't enjoy it because i really am thinking about you know Bobie ended up going down we ended up taking the win which is nice we closed the gap to Bobie. but man all realistically all i'm thinking about is round three actually so i think we'll be a lot closer to a different track you know, we're uh, we're making some good headway on the thing. And, man, the thing's gnarly to ride. I'm not going to lie. It's, uh, man, those Yamahas seem pretty friendly to ride. It's real, it seems like they, they flow pretty good. They they don't do anything crazy. And it seems like I'm really muscling mine. So I'm trying to trying to calm it down a little bit just to make it a little easier to ride. But, no, it's good, man. I, uh, you know, it's in the record books. You know, we, we won Road America. So that was that was pretty rad. And I just got to keep the ball rolling. That's the main thing. I, I'm, uh, I'm not satisfied. 
Hey, Bobby, uh, Sammy Sabedra here. Uh, I would also like to congratulate you on, on you know, your first Superbike win. But, uh, you know, just the things you've just said right now kind of go to show where your mind's at and how focused you are on, uh, on on future races. But, you know, like I said, I wanted to congratulate you on that. And I, I know, obviously, you're not satisfied with one win. You're going to be looking forward to repeat that, add a lot more to your tally. Uh, but, um you know, no matter what, nobody that's quite an accomplishment, and, and nobody can take that away from you. But I want to take it back, man, to the, you know, how did you, we, we know you're, you're a big, you know, road race star now, but I, I want to take it back, man. I, I want to hear a little bit about your, I know your career path a little bit, started out Lodi Cyclable, but uh, maybe we could take it back there, and you could tell us a little bit about that. Sammy, are you the same Sammy Sebeja that grew up with me at Lodi Cyclable and knew my dad and stuff? Yeah, man, that's me. Yep, same dude, one. What the hell are you doing <laughs> these days, man? Nice hearing from you, dude. Yeah, man, um, I'm, ta I'm talking to you right now. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, man. My, it's, dad, uh, my dad still brings you up uh, from time to time, man. It's, my dad still talks about you. From is it about that? Time. Is um, it about that twenty bucks I I owe him? <laughs> no. Hey, get this. So like. I do this too. Like my dad, like he used to, my dad was telling me this a while ago and he's like, man, when you used to do shitty on a Sunday uh, or on a Saturday at the races, I'd just be so upset Sunday. I would just call everybody that owes me money. So I'm sure he probably called you up if he owed you that, if you owed him that 20 bucks. And I do the same thing. I do the same thing. Like, I'll be upset after the weekend. I just want to take it out in somebody. I start calling people. I'm like, man, don't you owe me money? <laughs> man. hey man uh, yeah definitely i mean uh not to get away from the show too much but man tell yeah, your dad I think, no no tell yeah. your dad no tell your dad i think about him a lot too man and and yeah. uh you, i hope to see him at lodi make it out there I'm, I'm living on the east coast now and i i definitely make it out there a couple times a year and uh definitely the night before the mile so hopefully i'll i'll run into you guys you know sooner or later or i hope to make it to a moto america race this year too yeah, no, I moved away from uh, California for a little while in 2015 to like 20 in the middle of 17. I was living in Atlanta, and then I, li I lived in Madison, Wisconsin for a while. So I ended up moving back to California. So I'm only five minutes away from where I started racing in a Lodi Cyclable. Um, I've been trying to get actually my, my dirt tracker prepared. I have like a kind of an older, you know, incognito flat tracker that I uh, ride for. Well, I, I try to ride, and you know, I, I still have the style, but I'm I'm not fast anymore like I was when I was a kid. But uh, I'm trying to get incorporate that into my training uh, as soon as that thing's put together and uh, running again. So. Yeah, who? Uh, I mean, we talk about Lodi a lot on this show, and we we're just joking about it. Like every every guest we have on is like a Lodi, like Lodi local, and we we talk about all the rivalries and the fights in the pits yeah. and all that stuff. It's just. Every time you, I mean, I have a rival at Lodi and I've only raced there once. So um, it's just like yeah. par for the course. But who was your, who were your rivals growing up in the amateur ranks? Um, you know, you were, I guess Man. you were just getting out of it when I was just getting into it. So I, I never even really got to watch your race flat track. Man, it's, it's crazy, dude. Like Lodi Cyclable in the 80cc days, like was probably, you could ask anybody in the U.S., like, probably the most competitive 80cc, 85 class, like, came out of Lodi. It was, like, a grand national there every weekend. And it's all people, like, who are not even racing, really, anymore, you know? It's, like, uh, I, one of my biggest rivals was one of my best friends growing up, and he, he doesn't even race anymore. It was Joe Hernandez, and he, he went to grand na or amateur nationals with us and stuff like that. And uh, oh, yeah. Stevie, Bo uh, Stevie Bonzi used to go out there, and Mikey Rush used to go out there, and it was you know, growing up, but at least at the amateur nationals, like when I was there, I mean, my biggest rival was, uh, Travis Wyman, uh, Matt Weedman, Weidman. Um, and it was like a handful of, a handful of other riders. And, um, PJ Jacobson used to, was just in the class. PJ is around my age, but he was racing my little brother. And like my little brother had like a big rivalry with, uh, with the J, uh, PJ and his family. And uh, I got to say, man, it was probably my biggest competitor. It was, uh, I think it was, was it Travis Wyman? Or there there was a Wyman Brothers, I think. Travis Myers, was Wyman. that? Not, no, no, Myers, Myers, not Myers. Yep. Not Wyman, yep. Myers. Yeah, Myers, he was fast. Sorry. 
yeah, it was so long ago, but uh, that was in the 85 days, and that was, like, my biggest competition and stuff like that. And, um, man, it was the good old days. It was good yeah, fun. I forgot about Travis I, Myers. They were from uh, Michigan. His brother, Carter Myers, Michigan. used to— yeah, Carter yeah. Myers was fast too. His brother, he used to, uh, he used to battle with like Johnny Lewis and Jared Meese and uh, and those guys. It's crazy the names you mentioned. Just Joe Hernandez, like that guy was one of the fastest flat trackers I've ever seen ride. Um, and then he, yeah, just a lot of good guys just aren't racing anymore. It's just crazy how how that all plays out. Yeah, and like there's so many good guys who are good on minis, and then when they got to big bikes too, there was like they were nowhere to be found. You know what I mean? And it was just like. And obviously it has to do with, you know, the type of equipment and the training you have, you know, you've done, you know, to adapt to a bigger bike. And, but man, it was good flat track days, but the rivalries back in the day, man, there's nothing like flat track rivalries and the fights in the pits and the, the mini dads and, you know, the, the cheating and all that stuff. And it was good fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, Lodi was cl- Lodi was classic for that kind of stuff. But yeah, you guys talk about oh, Joe, man. man. Joe got a actually, uh, I believe Joe got a national number. He went up to Castle Rock and made the main event. And then I don't know, man. I don't. I'm not even sure he ever got to ride with that. But I know that 80 class no, I man think he was got on the podium, man. I think he got on the did, podium one year. I think. Yeah, he he was yeah. fast, man. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. It was like you guys kind of came up together, Chris Borges. I mean, there were so many guys from Lodi and stuff. And like you talked about, you know, it seems like all over the country, like the 80 class is really big, I guess, because it's so easy to do uh, compared to, you know, racing big bikes. But, you know, a lot of it has to do with, you know, your financial backing or kind of having the right mentoring or, you know, a parent that is going to push you in the right direction or or somebody. Well, how, how did that happen for you? Because, I mean, you guys didn't like your dad didn't race. I mean, he worked at the Harley shop. I know that you guys were around motorcycles, but you know, it's not like you guys, you were born into a racing family that's been doing it for generations. So like, how, how did, how did that work for you, man? Who is the guy that kind of said, Hey man, if this is what you want to do, this is a, you know, this is how you got to do it. Or was it something you and your dad just kind of, you know, figured out on your own or what, what, what was that process like? Man, I got to give it up to my dad. That knucklehead never even, never raced or anything. He just worked at the Harley-Davidson dealership, and it was, uh, and, yeah, he worked at the Harley-Davidson dealership, and one of his good buddies lived on the street at Lodi Cycle Bowl. I think it was Morris Road or whatever the street was at Lodi, and he was like, hey, and I was just always into motorcycles as a kid because my dad always worked there, you know, at the the Harley-Davidson dealership, and this guy, uh, Dave, his name was, and he lives on the street in Lodi. And he's like, hey, man, you should bring your your kid out to uh, Lodi. And my dad, at the time, didn't know anything, you know, about racing or anything. And, and my dad's a hard ass, too. You know, he, he was hard on me. And, <laughs> but, it, he, it, you know, he taught me, was, you know, if he's going to give it 100%, you know, he better, you know, I better give it 110%. And he just understood the sport. Even though he never raced or anything, I think he probably tried to ride once or twice, like on a – 252 stroke around there and just was terrible at it but um <laughs> you know it was it was always like man if you if he's gonna you know give it 110 percent you know i better give it 110 percent if not i'm gonna go home and play barbie dolls with my sister you know what i mean <laughs> he just understood he just understood the sport and i'm just you uh, come home I, your dad comes home and all the barbie dolls are undressed what the hell <laughs> no, no, man. <laughs> uh, hey, it was like man my dad was like would carry a stick into a corner. He would put a cone out there, like, and he was like, you're going to hold the gas on to this point going into turn one, and you're not going to let off, you know, and I'm just <laughs> terrified. You know what I mean? It's like, but, hey, man, that's what made me the rider I am today. I mean, he was, he just understood the sport, and he got to know, he, he got to know people. He worked at uh, Jorgie's, who's Alex Alex Jorgensen owns Jorgie's at Suzuki in Stockton, and he just got to know a lot of people, you know, in the sport. And, you know, it, we didn't, I didn't have like, my dad didn't have any help. You know what I mean? He was just grinding away like most, you know, mini bike dads do. And we didn't have many people that, that helped growing up. You know what I mean? So at least that taught me how to ride. I, I got to put that all on my dad. Yeah. And that's badass to hear, you know, a guy like your dad not knowing anything and working hard and then now look where he you know he's gotten you you know it, it paid off so that that's really cool props to him um you know at what point 
at what point did you transition over from flat track to road racing? I mean, when did you know you were going to be a road racer and not a flat track? How was that whole transition? Man, I knew, I knew it ever since I was a kid, you know, and it was always kind of in the works as a kid, you know, I knew that I wasn't, you know, I knew that I didn't want to race flat track. It was, and at the time when I was a kid, road racing was so big, you know what I mean? People were making millions of dollars and I loved TTs, you know what I mean? I, I loved TTs. I hated short tracks. You know, I loved whenever we raced TT, I like going right. And that was always like me and my dad's plan growing up. It was like, you know, we're going to want to try road racing. Um, you know, cause at the time I think Chris Carr was trying road racing, you know, on the Harley stuff. And, uh, Toby Jorgensen was just trying road racing. So, um, at the time I just knew that we were going to go road race or my dad knew that I was, we we're going to go road racing. And I, I started transitioning right out of eighties. I did like some two fifty stuff, uh, like on a CNJ and, you know, it was pretty good, but we slowly started transitioning into supermoto stuff. And when I was I know, 13, 14, Supermoto was really big in the U.S. Like, and I lived 10 minutes away from Stockton Fairgrounds. And, man, the Hayden brothers were going there and riding, the Doug Chandler, like the Bostroms. Like, it was really big. And Suzuki, not like factory Suzuki, but Suzuki, like Pat Al- uh, Richard Perrin. His name was Richard Perrin, Pat Alexander, like gave me a Suzuki 250F at the time. And we transitioned to that thing, and we raced Supermoto USA. And, um, man, we just got the ball rolling, just started meeting people. And, uh, I started my first track day on a 600 when I was 14 years old, just on like a little, you know, old, you know, old 1999 R6 and just started supermoto and road racing at the time, AFM stuff when I was 14 years old, man. So I've been doing the race ride in a 600 when I was 14 years old, which is pretty crazy because kids nowadays are like, riding you know uh the moto three bikes and uh 400s and all that stuff at 14 and i was on a 600 you know scared to death so it was uh it was good man it was good transition though it you know like i said it it taught me a lot and uh sink or swim you know and i decided to swim 14 on a 600 i guess you didn't want to play with barbies (laughs) no no no. (laughs) hey man it, thought about uh, it though. It thought, yeah. <laughs> some things you might want to keep to yourself, but you know that's all right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, man. So, um, you know, obviously, you know, you, you know, you, you made that transition. You're around a lot of fast guys, and and you know, you you, you started uh, down the path of you know, you know, the road race career thing, but. It, it, it hasn't been, uh, you know, it wasn't like an overnight thing for you, man. It's taken a lot of hard work. I know that because uh, it's, you know, it's taken a long time, man. So, uh, you know, I, I give you, uh, you a lot of respect for, for not giving up. I, I know a lot of people, you know, it's kind of easy to throw in the towel when, when things aren't, you know, coming your way or getting the breaks that you need or deserve. So what do you do to keep yourself mentally strong and, and keep pushing and, and and, you know, ultimately get to where you're at now. What, what are those things? You know, um, so since I was, you know, professional, we, I always, believe it or not, like, I never got my fair shot. And I feel, I see that in my eyes. You know, like, I've worked so hard since I was a kid. My dad's pushed me. Like, I've been doing this my whole entire life. And I'm not bitter, but I've always wanted more. You know what I mean? Like, I never got we didn't have the money to buy a ride in road racing and then, you know, get in the Yamaha family as a young kid, start buying from Chuck Graves. And then there I am in the, in the Yamaha family. And then next, you know, I'm having a factory ride when I'm 18 years old. I, that wasn't me. We didn't have the money to do that. We were just some Okies just tr- doing what we can growing up and, I, you know, I didn't, I felt like it, in racing, it's all about who you know, you know, and I, I've been on plenty of teams, um, you know, and like I said, the, the teams tried hard, but it was never great equipment in my whole entire career, you know what I mean? But I always, everybody knew I was fast, but I was, you know, in my like younger years of road racing, like I would crash a lot just because I wasn't on the best equipment, but I was so hungry to win because I knew I could or at least get top three, you know? 
So like my whole entire career, I'm just on mediocre teams waiting for my shot, whatever reason that I never got that factory ride. Like majority of the riders have, you know what I mean? Like a lot of people I know and close to have gotten that shot at a young age, either they blew it or they cycled out or whatever. But I just been kind of on mediocre teams my whole entire career, kind of until I finally I'm on a good team. And then I could really show what I, what I could do. You know what I mean? Everybody knows in racing, it's, you can be so fast, but if you're on mediocre motorcycles, you can't do anything. You know what I mean? And I, my whole career, I just wanted my fair shot. And I knew I could be there. And that's the thing. And obviously I have doubts racers. We all have doubts to, you know, we always second guess our ability because, and times are tough, man. I mean, when you, one bad weekend, it's like you start blaming yourself. You know what I mean? Did I forget how to ride? Or I think the biggest fear for racers, uh, you know, is forgetting what you did yesterday. You know what I mean? It's like you know how to ride. Yeah. You know, but it's, yeah, it's, second, it's, it's always doubt. It's kind of funny. A lot of a lot. Of, I've noticed with you a lot of the stuff that you struggle with are kind of things I've struggled with too. Just just mental mental hiccups. And yeah, you mentioned mediocre teams and mediocre rides. And 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 from the outside looking in, everybody thinks it's a great ride. Everybody thinks you know it's you know it's a lot better than what the situation actually is. Nobody actually knows unless they're in your shoes. So. Um, and then yeah. when you're on subpar equipment and you're not doing well, you're getting 10th, you know, you know, you're getting, you're not finishing how you do Then your confidence, you know, you, you question it, like you said, you know, what, do I know how to do this anymore? So yeah, it, it's really cool to last year. It was cool to see you win a championship. And then this year on, on a good team and, and, yeah, um, thanks, and things like that. But I kind of wanted to, uh, mention, like talk a little bit about, cause I don't think we've talked about on the show much. I mean, we've had some, some really good racers, but I don't think we've ever talked about, what it, what the off season is like for a professional racer? I mean, last season you won the championship in the Supersport, and now you're on the, a really good team in Superbike. What is it like for a rider each off season to line up a ride, find sponsors uh, year after year? I mean, just because you you have a good season, it does it doesn't seem like anything's ever given. I mean, it's it's always you know it's always a grind to kind of get where you need to be. Man, it's. T- <laughs> On the off season, it's just terrible. I mean, there there is nothing worse than being a rider in this in this stage in the world. You know what I mean? Like this day, like every off season, like okay, so for the past like maybe eight years, like I've either won a race or got on the podium, or, and you know you think you think you're like, man, I think I I did good enough. I'm gonna have a ride. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get a good salary. You know what I mean? And then. Talk is so. I've learned in the war in this industry. Talk is so unbelievably cheap. In this industry, you know how many times going in the off season, somebody has told me that they're gonna either support me or I'm gonna be on a ride or something. And then when it comes down to it, it's like your feelings just basically get hurt. And then you're back from square one, trying to look for a job. You know, trust me, I, I've worked, I've worked my fair share of jobs and stuff like that, just trying to make a dollar. Um, but it, and it's terrible because even last year, winning the championship, I was not guaranteed a ride this year. And it was, you know, M4 went to, you know, the, the main Suzuki team in the U.S. And I was unsure if I was going to race a motorcycle in December or January. Like, that's wow. how, like, unsure wow. racing is in the world. Like, I was, I didn't know. I mean, I knew, like, it was talks about me riding, but. It's it, and there's so much that goes into it. Like I was in contention to get on the superbike ride with Josh Heron, and Josh Heron, I knew obviously Josh Heron's a great rider, but he has a lot of social media followers. And in this day and age, it's like I'm not great on social media. I I honestly hate posting. I don't want to. I just don't like doing it. It's just not a habit of mine, and it hurts me. I've lost sponsors from not posting. Um, and at the time when the team was talking to me and Josh Heron, it was like Suzuki wanted Josh Heron because he had all these followers and social media sells. You know what I mean? It's like we're both fast riders, but this guy could maybe sell some stuff because he's really good. I mean, he's the best social media guy in Moto America, Josh Heron. So it's like, again, here I am, no matter how hard I ride, no matter what I do, winning a championship, it's you're still unsure if you're going to have a ride. You know, it's terrible. So it's yeah, it's just it's just not good being a rider. Um, 
But that being said, you know, it, it never, I never gave up. I just, basically, we just have to stay ready for whatever comes, you know, whatever comes our way. Because, like I said, people get hurt in racing. And, you know, you could be a phone call away. And if you're out there at home just being a turd sandwich, partying, you know, and by the time <laughs> you get that phone call, you know, it's like you're not ready. You know, you can't prove yourself. You're out of shape. And you just got to stay ready. <laughs> hey, that that's hilarious, <laughs> man. I'm going to use that turd sandwich. Uh, I'm writing that one down. <laughs> that's good, man. <laughs> hey, so uh, to, to knock you back down, you know, big, you know, super bike race winner, you know, champion yeah, yeah. stuff. And I want to hear about, uh, you know, just about, you know, sometimes you're surprised, man. It, it's kind of humbling when you hear about, you know, these guys that most people see as superstars and rightfully so that, you know, they're out there working at nine to five. I know I've had some crappy jobs in my day. I know a lot of people have, but is, oh, yeah. is there any job that sticks out more than another or that's like, no way, man. Oh, yeah. Bong used to do that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, I, I, uh, I'm very thankful for the opportunities I got. So if, if anybody is listening from my old jobs, like I'm very thankful, but, uh, you know, I worked at this place called, uh, R and S and we put up commercial doors and I was just getting paid minimum wage. This was a few years ago and it was, uh, it was just terrible, man. It, it's climbing a 40 foot ladder, uh, winding up a huge door spring, uh, with some bars and the ladder is just moving like wiggling in the wind and just why if you ever wound a door spring a commercial door spring by hand it is i mean it, it will change your life i mean you're scared to death and you're getting paid peanuts you know what i mean i did that for years you know what i mean it was terrible oh man um <laughs> On a turd sandwich budget. That's terrible. <laughs> oh, dude. It was getting paid peanuts. And then I uh, actually, starting the 2018 season, I was working for Piaggia as a sales manager for the North, the whole Northwest and Canada West. Oh, wow. And um, so I was doing that. And I kind of got lucked into that just with, um, so after 20. 18 i felt like i had a pretty good year it was kind of a weird year in 2018 for myself uh kind of on some weird teams and uh did what i could but i was unsure for 2019 so this opportunity arose with piaggio and somehow i just got lucked in i have zero sales experience by the way so it was again another situation where i had a sink or swim so i had to do a lot of studying it was like I thought it was going to be a lot easier than what it was. Like, I thought it was just like, oh, go visiting a dealer. And, you know, it's like, you know, shaking, shaking some hands, getting some babies, trying to sell some scooters and Aprilia's, you know, it's like, no, it was like, I'm working for a crazy Italian guy getting screamed at, legitimately screamed at daily uh, to sell some scooters, uh, some, you know, two-year-old scooters or something, you know what I mean? And it was, it was so mentally draining and it was all like Excel work and just dealers. It doesn't matter who you are in the motorcycle world. It's like, well, when you race pro, then you get a full-time job. You want to, you start racing pro again. You're like, man, I got to win some more races. I don't want to have to do any of that shit again. Oh, dude. And I never want to do that again. And I would, believe it or not, I was trying to still work for Piaggio and race for M4 at the time. And I talked to my direct boss and he was like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. But he didn't like think it was, I, I was going to get that much attention because, you know, it was Suzuki, Aprilia. Even though I was a sales guy for Aprilia, I was like, they didn't like that that mix so they actually fired me immediately when the press release came out with m4 so i'm like oh shit like there's and that was pretty good money i'm like well here i am back to square one racing for free now i gotta just step my game up and just start winning you know and making some money so it was that was another job that i was just like man i uh it was definitely painful but i had to do it just to stay afloat you know yeah, that's crazy, man. That's I used to work at I used to work at a Wawa when I was younger. So I used to I used to stock the coolers at Wawa, man. Worked at Wawa, and then I was uh, I was a cashier at Kohl's. So uh, I sold Kohl's credit cards to people, and yeah, it's it's crazy, dude. Like yeah, looking back on it, like I'm glad I had those jobs though because 
it was nice to like just to, it was humbling like to work your ass off for yeah. i think my first job was six dollars an hour and it was yeah it was uh, and and honestly even when i worked at kohl's and i was selling kohl's credit cards i made sure i sold yeah. the most damn kohl's credit cards <laughs> in my whole building like i got an award for selling yeah. the most kohl's credit so whatever I... you whatever you're gonna do if, if you're shoveling shit at the circus do it the best you can. That's my advice for people. Yeah, like, yeah. If, you know what I mean? Like, if you're in a job or you're racing or you're you're in school, whatever you're doing, make the best out of it because you never know what opportunities are going to come from hard work and anything you're doing. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah, that's cool to hear. <laughs> I uh, I look at where you're at now, man, and I kind of was curious. You know, your your teammates with Tony Elias this year and. He's uh I, I like that guy. He, he's a flat. He likes flat track. He road races and stuff. How how has that relationship been? And you know, you bumped up a class too in the superbike class. Any any everyone kind of like any rivals in that class or how's that transition been from a 600 to a thousand? You know, it's uh you know Tony being my teammate, it was really cool. And obviously he's super competitive. You know what I mean? And I thought he has a lot of broken broken English. You know what I mean? So it's hard, at least as Tony being my teammate, it's hard for you know, us to really, we ride so differently. We can't share any data whatsoever. I mean, he has something completely different than what I'm running on the bike. And it's, it's hard to like say, Hey man, are you feeling this on the track? Like, what are you doing here? It's like, one, we're trying to beat each other Two, It's like, we can't even compare data because it's so polar opposites. And, uh, I, I know that there's, there'll probably be some tension if we start, you know, banging bars on the, the track and, it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when that's going to happen. <laughs> um, but as of right now, it, see, it seems to be pretty cool, at least under the tent and with other riders. You know what I mean? Other than actually Tony and uh, Matt Skoltz at the last round. I know they wanted to kill each other uh, after the races, and there was some big confrontation at Parc Ferme. And, uh, you know, if you heard that, I don't want to get into it if you haven't heard about it. But it was, you know, I guess I think that's the main rivalry right now is uh, Matt Skoltz and Tony Elias. But, other than, you know, and actually pretty, everybody's friends right now, but man, it's, you know, when we're on the track, actually, we don't, we don't race like we're friends for sure. And I, I'm going to, I'm going to race you as hard. Actually, if you're a good friend of mine, I'm probably going to race you even harder because I want to beat you that much more. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm going to race you as hard as I can and I'm going to take risk and everybody else is too, because their jobs on the line and they're trying to make a dollar you know what i mean they gotta yep. they gotta show their show their talent but uh at this point in the game i don't have any rivalries thank god I hopefully it stays that way but uh hey man it's, it's coming for sure <laughs> well you're, you're you're definitely the guy with the target on your back for the next race not to you know put any pressure yeah. on you but no so but <laughs> i know it's coming it's coming man it's coming so yeah hammer you know, down head down too, at the next round it's like it really depends on what track you go to, too. It's like Road Atlanta, uh, with the track we race at the end of the month, it's like, in order, it, it requires, there's a lot of close racing at Road Atlanta. Like, the riders really can't get too far away. So, like, the last two corners, like, it's like hard-breaking corners. It's like, hey, you better go balls deep into those corners and take big risks and probably hit the guy to win the race. And it's like that every damn round, and that's where it really tension starts to to happen at road atlanta because if you're going to win that race you either you're going to you're going to take chances and make you know hurt some feelings basically there's a lot of like just that the last two corners and that's that's just what that track you know does to people it's like we'll be tuning in <laughs> yeah, man. yeah man so it'll be good. so yeah, so like you know, in, in in dirt track, you know, there's those tracks that are just gnarly, right? Like Lima is yeah. notorious for being just a gnarly racetrack. In the road race world, what is that track? Is that is that Road Atlanta? You know, I gotta say, I, I, it's Road Atlanta. Um, it's gnarly in it's gnarly in its own way, just because like it has these S's that just wear you out and gives you arm pump like crazy. It's a single line S's. Uh, the last two turns are just super heartbreaking and, like, a point-and-shoot. So it's like people bump into each other. They're everywhere. It's kind of – it's going to be Africa hot when we're there. So everybody's just going to be super tired. You know what I mean? It's going to be at the end of the month, end of Jan- July. It's going to be 1,000 degrees there. So every, already people are irritable. So I got to say Road Atlanta is going to be a big one to uh, for some fireworks for sure. 
a big turd sandwich. <laughs> yeah, big turd sandwich. <laughs> well, we have one more. Se- we have our final segment. We do, but I got one more question for you before we get to that. And yep. do you follow American Flat Track right now? And if you do, you know how many races do you watch? And what were your thoughts on the way the 2019 season played out? Oh man, dude, it was. Uh, oh yeah, of course I follow American Flat Track. Come on, man, I'm, I'm a flat track kid. Um, and I have a lot of buddies, you know, you and Chad Coase and everybody. I grew up with a lot of people racing flat track and. And I thought last year it was badass. I mean, I watch it every round, honestly. I, I tune in every round on Fans' Choice. You know, mainly I uh, I look forward to the singles and uh, the twin. Obviously, you know, I hate to say this, man, but it's it's gotten so damn dangerous. It honestly, like, I get so nervous watching the singles riders. I mean, all racing is good. I mean, all the, the production twin class, I mean, the twins, it's, they're all good. But, man, I get so damn nervous watching the singles because there have been so many crazy crashes over the years you know i just hope that things get a little more safe in flat track uh but it's just so gnarly but the racing is unbelievable and yeah i tune in every round i love it man love it good to hear yeah that's awesome man can't forget your roots bobby can't forget your roots man yeah dude i trust me every time i watch i'm like man i gotta get i gotta get going and get my shit together and start riding flat track more you got lodi right down the street I know, dude. Literally, I'm not kidding. It's probably less than five minutes from my house. That's crazy. That's a gnarly little yeah. neighborhood, man. Like, I remember the first time we raced uh, Lodi, or was it Stock? I think we went there in, for Stockton. They had a half mile, and I was helping Shane. I wasn't even racing. And I remember yeah. they told us, somebody called me and said, hey, when you roll into the track, make sure your doors are locked in your van. I was like, ha, ah, yeah, whatever. And they were like, no, I'm serious. Lock yeah. your damn doors. And I was like, oh, shit, really? Like, And then, like, yeah, yeah just rolling <laughs> in, it was, like, the only place I've ever been scared pulling into, <laughs> into the racetrack. It was crazy. Dude, that's South Stockton, where those tracks are, it's so gnarly over there. Charter way, man. Charter way. Dude, charter way. And I don't know what way you're coming from. So if you're coming from, like, well, depending on what freeway you're coming from, if you got to roll down charter way, it's like, yeah, lock your doors while you're driving. You know what I mean? <laughs> Keep your windows up. Well, I follow you on so Strava, and, and I'll see some of your runs, and it's like, it's, I see Stockton on the map. I'm like, what a savage. <laughs> so, hey, honestly, I don't even, like, I don't even um, cycle. Like, when I go road bike riding, like, I don't even cycle, like, in Stockton at all. I go to Sacramento. Yeah, I go to Sacramento do like all my pedals, but like if I go on a run, like I can't run that much anymore these days. Like my dude, like I blown out my calf muscle in like November, and dude, like I'm only doing like every once in a while I'll do like two miles or something, but like I can't just I can't recover my calf. Like I could cycle and I can't feel it, but yeah. anywho, I just no cycling in Stockton. <laughs> well. Let's, uh, we have a, it's called the higher low line, pretty much a this or that kind of give us a one or two explanation for each one, but Colin Edwards or Ben Spees? Oh, Colin Edwards. Colin Edwards. We like Colin. Yeah. Flat track guy. All right. Yeah, flat track guy. And honestly, it, he follows me in social media. So Colin, you know, I don't think Ben has ever spoken two words to me. Not that I don't like him or anything. I just, I know Colin. So, yeah. That makes it easy. That makes it easy. All right, I'm going to get away from the yep. motorcycle questions and just go with wild shit, just like whatever. All right, yep, if you, yep. you have to do one or the other, okay? You have to ride, like, and this is like a, a pro level, okay? You got to you yep. gotta ride, ride a bull in a rodeo, yep. or or yep. you got you to gotta surf one of those crazy huge waves that they get towed into. You got to do one or the other. Which one? You surfing or you, you riding a bull? Man, that's a big one. That's a hard one because they're both so gnarly. Honestly, I, w- I would do the bull, dude. I'm, I'm waiting. There's two things that could get you at, on the surfing thing. Like one, a big wave, obviously, you could kill you. And two, sharks are just terrible, obviously. Dude, that's all I can think I watched, of when he asked watched, that. Oh, dude, I watched Soul Surfer before. That girl getting an arm. Like, eh. At least a bull, it's like you just have one, you know, you have one issue. You know what I mean? You're, you yeah, getting trampled. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you watch the Trample. old jackass movies, they rode bulls all the time. You never see them play with yeah. sharks. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Uh, that's good. Yeah, those, uh, those weren't <laughs> bodacious bulls, though. You know what I mean? I'm talking 
bodacious, like you know, just vicious, man. Anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, their balls are tr- their balls are so tight and tied up, so they just going yeah. Out. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I got one, man. Uh, faster on a bicycle, Scott Russell, Chief, or yourself? Who's faster? Yeah. Oh, of course I'm gonna say me, but I don't know, man. The Chiefs have been putting in the miles, man. Yeah, he does. He's been putting in the miles. I don't know. We the last time I rode with him, we were in Park City, and dude just went out of the bat like 25 average, and we're just we're killing it. And uh, I don't know, man. It seemed we started climbing, and this is uh, like 20 something miles, and like the grade was ridiculous. We're in Park City, and I'm dying, and we got to the top, and it just seemed like dude had an extra gear. Yeah. And you're hammering. And dude just had extra gear, like climbing. But I don't know if he blew his load early or something like that. But I ended <laughs> up having the juice at the end. But it seems like I, he might be a better climber than me. So it's kind of a hit or miss on that one. Love it. All right. Uh, I'm going to stay away from motorcycles again, man. I'm going to go with this one. What's the best party holiday? Cinco de Mayo or Halloween? What's the best party day? Oh, dude! Ha- come on, Halloween, man! You get, you get the girls with their titties out. <laughs> you, know, you got the girls with the thongs, just trying to be, you know, trying to they, up on each other. You know, <laughs> Halloween, man. They finally get to be themselves. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. Do your thing, girl. Halloween. Do your thing. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. who are you a bigger fan of, Rossi or Marquez? You know. That one's a hard one because I've been I've been a Rossi fan my whole entire life, and uh, there was one time at Indy a few years ago, and we ended up going to the Red Bull party, and uh, you know obviously you hear rumors on how people act like outside of the track and all that stuff and like who they really are, but I do remember this where everyone was like 4 a.m. Obviously everybody is obliterated at this time. Rossi's out there having a cigarette, and I'm like. I just leave this hotel like a walk of shame, like or whatever, wherever we were. And I'm like, hey, he has no idea who I am. And I'm like, hey, bro, can I do a selfie with you? And he's like, he gives me the middle finger. He's like, fuck off. So I didn't forget that, Valentino. (laughs) I don't know. know, Maybe it was a look alike. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know about that one, but I'm still a Rossi fan, man. It's, it's hard not to say <laughs> Yeah, it's hard not to be a Rossi yeah. fan, but that's that's yeah. funny. That's like an that's a badge of honor almost getting flipped yeah, off good. by Rossi. Like, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's yeah. good. That was a good time. I got last one for you. Landshark or Captain Morgan? You doing the beer or liquor route? Oh, dude, I'm I'm doing the liquor route all day, bro. Oh. I'm not a beer guy. You know, I like, I, you know. I, I just, in my old age, I don't, every time I drink beer, it's like, I'm just, like I said, a turd sandwich. My, uh, my buzz is just, I'm, I'm tired. I can't dance like I want to, but <laughs> on the liquor end, it seems like it just gives me some energy where I could drop it like it's hot, dude. <laughs> he's from, he's from Stockton. So he's going to go hard. I already knew that. Yeah, I already knew that. Hard. He's got to go <laughs> yeah. hard. He's from Stockton. Yeah. 209, 209. Yeah. I know about that. <laughs> uh, well, hey, oh, hey, yeah. hey, Bobby, I just wanted to say, you know, uh, on, on behalf of me and Corey, uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for taking the time to come on and talk to us uh, about everything. And, um, man, um, you got to get your dad to, to go out and be a Lodi club member again so you can get the keys <laughs> to the joint and cut some laps. Oh, I- I know, man. I'll, uh, thanks for having me, guys. And believe it or not, man, my dad has actually went to a few meetings like a few weeks ago, believe it or not. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're we, got, there, we have an in. We have an in. No, dude, he, you know what it is? My dad is just bored in his old age. That's what it is. <laughs> he just wants somebody else to yell at. That's uh, awesome. That's great, man. Yeah. Hey, well, do me a favor. Tell your dad I said hello for sure. Yeah, we appreciate you, man. you man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, right. good luck. Cheers, Next race, we'll be watching. Thanks, brother. All right, guys. Later. 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 Bobby Fong. That guy's awesome, man. I love talking to that dude. He's hilarious. Uh, he's got some dance moves, too. He might he maybe give me a run for my money. Yeah, he's, he can he can boogie a bit. So that was, that was rad. 
I heard you get down pretty good on the dance floor, though, Corey. I heard you got some legendary moves. Yeah, I got a few. I got a few up my sleeve. I, I break out, you know. Yeah, it was some interesting, uh, interesting, interesting stuff, man. It's cool to hear about these flat track guys that went road racing. And it makes me wonder, like, with the state of, you know, not that, and like, you know, just flat track is, is doing well with the TV package and everything else. And would, would a lot of those guys have switched over with, the growth of flat track, you know, I mean, Moto America is doing well and they're doing great things. And I've been a, a, a big fan of what they've been doing this season. It's really cool. Um, but flat track is, you know, it's turned itself around and there's a lot of opportunities there. So it's guys like Bobby Fong and, you know, PJ and some, you know, Nikki, Nikki Hayden, when he was racing, what, you know, it'd be interesting to see what those guys would have done if they stayed in flat track. It, it you know, would have been cool. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, um, you know, road racing was uh, much like, you know, flat track kind of, you know, in a stale state. And, uh, you know, in the past, that's why you've seen so many guys uh, go to go to pavement and go road racing. Uh, just better opportunity to, to make a living there. And you can't blame them for doing that. But, you know, all those guys seem to be dirt trackers at heart no matter what. But, you know, and like you said, Corey, with the Moto America, I, I'm really excited. You know, Road Racing Man was down in the dumps for a number of years. A lot of factories pulled out, and it, it went lame. But uh, Moto America, Wayne Rainey, all those guys at, at Moto America are doing a phenomenal job of turning that sport around, uh, just like AFT, man. So I'm, I'm happy to see both series kind of on the rise, although I got to say uh, AFT might be a little – a little ahead, a nose ahead on, on that race right now, you know? So I'm happy with that. Yeah, maybe biased. You know, it's a flat yeah, track might, podcast. Yeah, might be biased. I'm totally biased. But, hell, Moto America's racing right now, and, and the coverage has been great. So like we've said, MotoAmerica.com, check them out. Buy their Live Plus package. It's great. It's great stuff. And, man, I, I'm jealous. Like, they got some really good personalities in that series. Like, Bob, having Bobby in the flat track series – He's a lot of not a lot, but there's a, quite a few road racers who are more on the politically correct side and and guys like Bobby and, and Josh Heron and Tony, you know, they, they say what's on their minds and it's 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 good to hear. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good stuff for sure. And, you know, like you said, uh, you're talking about Moto America and, 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 you know, all the good racing. If you guys follow their Instagram, the cool thing about their Instagram, uh, you know, if you don't happen to catch the races, um, you know, via, you know, streaming or whatnot or, or on TV, uh, they do really nice recaps that are like like seven, eight minutes long from each race on their Instagram. Instagram. So it makes it kind of easy to kind of follow along and know what's happening uh, in, in that sport. Right on. Well, we want to give a shout out to a couple races that are coming up in the very near future. And the first one, you might have seen about it on Facebook. It's called Clay by the Bay. It's July 11th, and it's in Tampa, Florida. Information you can find more on RPM Promotions LLC. And there's quite a bit of money up for grabs. He's actually going to combine the twins and singles and make it one open pro class. So you have road taxes, 450 singles, twins. I know Sammy Halbert is supposed to be racing. Uh, I think the payout is a $5,000 payout, 16 spots. You know, the dash for cash, top six from the main event. Like, there's a lot of money up for grabs at this race. And if you need some more info on that, contact Jeff. It's RPM Promotions, LLC. Clay by the Bay. It's, it's the weekend before Volusia on the golf side of Florida. So check that out. Really cool racetrack. I saw flat track photos posted some some pictures. I think today of the podiums from when they raced there last, and I heard it's a badass racetrack. Yeah, yeah. I know they they raced there uh, in the past. Uh, you know, and, and I also wanted to add to that, Corey, that um, it will be streamed on Fight TV. Uh, it's fourteen ninety nine, but that that race is going to be streamed on Fight, which is really cool. Um, oh yeah. yeah. Uh, former AFT uh, flagman uh, Bubba Blackwell will be uh, uh, f flailing the flags once again, and a uh, 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 couple of uh, buddies of mine are, are going to be up in the announcers booth. Uh, one, which will be uh, former national. 15 and, and national winner garth gonzo brow so that that ought to be pretty wild too so it's oh, not really? yeah he's yeah, announcing so, okay yeah yeah uh garth, garth is gonna uh i guess get uh, some beer in that guy dude he's pretty well, uh he gets pretty chatty yeah he, he might even make a guy like scotty parker seem seem tame <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll see how that goes you know uh 
it's going to be cool though. Uh, it's going to be a cool event. And, um, Let's see what else. Oh, and and he's going to be announcing with another buddy of mine, uh, Dan Laxon, who used to uh, spin some wrenches for Dan Ingram. So, it, 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 hey, it's going to be a wild group of guys down there putting on a good race, and and I hope a lot of people show up. I know Sammy Halbert is, as you mentioned, but we also have another race to talk about uh, on the other side of the coast. We know we got people listening to the show from uh, all points. So uh, for for those in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, we have a race at uh, uh, Spokane. What can you tell us about that one? Yeah, it's a quarter-mile pea gravel cushion track, July 11th, 12th, short track, NTT, Spokane Speedway on Facebook, Instagram, Spokane unders- underscore, I think they're called. <laughs> yeah. Spokane underscore, Speedway underscore, flat track. Check them out. Phil Zub is your contact, 208-703-2950. I was sold at the word cushion, you know, Yeah. <laughs> cushion, short track. I don't know if the TT is a cushion as well, but sign me up, man. If, uh, if I was anywhere near Spokane, they got a lot of fast riders out there. So yeah, check them out. I'm like I said, guys, this is, uh, more, more information on times and classes and things like that. Facebook Spokane speedway. Yeah. Yeah. Corey, I just wanted to add to that. I talked to Phil a little bit and, uh, he said that the TT is a cushion as well. So I'm like, that's pretty smooth, man. A cushion TT. Uh, He says he's fairly close to the Idaho border. So he gets guys from Idaho. Some Canadians come down, you know, and and 450 single guys like, you know, Wyatt Anderson, Jake Lehman. uh, You know, there's quite a few guys that come down and and, uh, spray some, some roost around that place. But the short tracks, a Saturday night race and the TT's a Sunday deal. And, uh, We'll be posting uh, a flyer to both of these races uh, on our social media account, uh, so you guys could uh, maybe uh, you know screenshot that, and uh, if you have any interest in those events. Idaho, that's such a weird name for a state. Like when you said that, I'm just like, what a weird name for a state. I know Idaho. Idaho. Can, so you, can you name one person that lives in Idaho? I really can't. I think Chad Coase, he used to have an old race van with an Idaho license plate. And I'd be like, why do you have an Idaho license plate? And he'd be like, well, registering a vehicle in California is really expensive. So I have like a, bro- a brother or co- I forget. Somebody lived in Idaho and they registered it in Idaho because it was cheaper. Ooh, uh, I just thought of somebody, man. I just thought of somebody in national number two. Uh, Steve Liberty. I think he was from Idaho. That uh, name sounds familiar. Yeah, he was national number 72, I think. Don't quote me. Like late 90s. Steve Liberty, man. He was from Idaho. He was either from Washington and then moved to Idaho or he's from Idaho, but – that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Steve Liberty. I'm looking right now on uh, I'm looking online. Famous people from Idaho. Um, really, nobody even famous is born from Idaho. Sarah Palin, Aaron Paul, Pennsylvania. I'll Pennsylvania. stick with it. <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, District yeah. Six, Lodi guys. District Six, Pennsylvania guys. A lot of guys. I mean, I don't know. I know there's people listening from all over, but those are two tough districts to compete against for sure. Yeah, yeah, we have that debate all the time. It's it's definitely a fun one. But yeah, I want to thank again our sponsors for making this happen. You guys are awesome for for listening. Everybody for tuning in. Bell Power Sports, all three champions from last season wore the Bell Race Star Flex. Bellhelmets.com, the view their full line of products. The quality and safety is unmatched. I love my Bell Helmet. I I'm not just saying that. I, I'm super happy to be wearing the Bell helmets and yeah I, I can't say enough good things about them just check them out the the product speaks speaks for itself also moto america check them out motoamerica.com road road atlanta is later in the year or later in the month i guess right uh, i guess yeah we are in july so later in the month check that out road atlanta watch the coverage watch bobby fong mix it up our guest from tonight um also give a shout out to ian riley and the whole riley family at fredericktown yamaha in frederick maryland if you need any kind of motorcycle parts at all hit them up fredericktownyamaha.com 301-663-8333 tell them sneaky sam and c-tech sent you uh man i don't have much else i guess we covered quite a bit in a short amount of time best of luck to to you guys this this weekend in indiana i guess kevin varnes is 
coming out of retirement it seems like bro just mick mick traveling the circuit <laughs> just... he put the leathers on again and then i think there was a little bug in there that bit him on his ass and 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 it lit his fire so he's this guy wants to race right now and he's going fast so we'll see yeah. we'll see what happens kevin's going flat tracking and the rumor is ryan varnes is is doing a motocross race this weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't wait to see that. He's gonna ride a motocross race uh, at Pagoda, so I'm definitely going there with 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 uh, with my phone in hand. So I, I want to yeah. capture this. I probably can't miss that either. I don't think it'd be it'd be uh, responsible for me to miss that 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 event. I have to come. It's gonna and be watch cold. It. It's gonna watch be cold. Him, watch him flop around on the moto track. So. Uh, that's all we got, guys. Check us out. Leave us a review on iTunes. That helps a lot when people are trying to find our podcast and, you know, social media, all that stuff. We appreciate all the comments. Till next time. Peace. See ya.